Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Voices from the Real World. Profile Theater is a theater company located in Portland, Oregon. Profile Theater centers the season around a season-long featured writer. Our best artists help us see. And at Profile, each year, we use a different writer's unique perspective as a lens that helps us see our shared world in new and surprising ways. Community Profile is an affinity space built around the structure of a free writing workshop. Participants in Community Profile meet, write, support, share, and bear witness to other people who may have walked a mile in their shoes. In Community Profile, we feature writers who have won awards and had numerous books published, as well as writers who are making their first foray into expressing themselves on paper. The result is writing that is singularly personal, provocative, powerful, moving, funny, tragic, beautiful, and that encapsulates the entirety of the human experience. What this podcast does is give those writers, those creators, a chance to share their life stories and their writing in a public forum so that we can celebrate and appreciate victories that have been won and challenges that have been overcome by people whose lives you may recognize or be experiencing for the very first time. All right. Great. Today. Welcome, folks. Fellow Earthlings, fellow travelers around the sun, we are here today with Brave So Hockey. Brave, am I pronouncing your last name right? So Hockey. So Hockey. But my handle's uh, Brave Zamagogo. Okay, what's the story about that? <laughs> it's my matrilineal names. Um, my history is kind of all like orphans and adoptions, and I don't feel uh, attached to So Hockey as a name because it's a, an adopted grandfather, distant. And so Zamora is my mother's maiden name. And Gagola is my father's mother's maiden name. Well, those are both pretty cool names. I like them a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're able to smash together nicely. Zamo, go, go. I feel like Zamora is a queen from the Hyborian age. Yeah. That I might have read of or, or something like that. Well, awesome. Uh, and Brave, you know, it was interesting reading some of your writing. Because, and it's, this has always happened to me. Uh, I realized I know you, but I don't really know you. That's right. <laughs> you know, um, so tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, what you do, uh, what brought you to writing. Yeah, sure. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, in Chicagoland area, Gary, Indiana. And uh, I, I, I was always attached to words, even then, like as a young person, I wrote poetry. And I don't feel like I received the right sort of like encouragement to continue to do that. I've always loved writing my thoughts down. Um, the poetry of words is really important to me. Uh, and so I guess I just started going down this writer's, actor's, creative path in the last few years i started jotting down whatever was in my brain when i was around 30 and it's become really solid um i moved out to the northwest like over 10 years ago and uh how old are you i'm 33 oh <laughs> I, I was surprised you know i guess 33 sounds about right but i was i was i was thinking you were like 28 mm -hmm. thank yeah. you yeah sure, <laughs> sure. uh how long so you came to portland how, how long ago? Uh, I came to Portland in 2009, I believe. What brought you out here? Uh, my mother moved out here a couple years before I did. And I was, again, born and raised in Indiana, so I needed to get out. And once I came out to this landscape, I remember being so tripped up at the hills. And like my whole visual <laughs> perception was so distorted. And so that sort of uh, you know change of space really woke me up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing about the Pacific Northwest. When I first came out here, I lived in Seattle, and I remember I I went there from Texas, 
and I didn't know that there were this many trees in the world, <laughs> let alone in one little corner of the United States. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, where have I moved to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I lived in Portland for about like six years. I went traveling abroad, uh, came back, and then I didn't want to move back into Portland, so I started driving out, living out of my car in the woods of Southern Oregon mostly. Um, so I was transient for a good little while. You know, uh, there's some gray area between living in Portland and being homeless. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. So how did you make that choice? Um, you know, I was following my heart. I was in love with someone who was living in the woods. And there was something that was happening in me as well to kind of change up the monotony of living in the city. Uh, and I think we're kind of all experiencing that this year in a large way as well. Uh, it's it's interesting that you would, you know, bring up home, or homelessness or houselessness because over the, I mean, pre-COVID, I was working on a concept for a play and I was calling it the houseless one. And I'd had some pretty um, close encounters with um, houseless folk that were very rich um, and what I qualify as magical. And uh, it was then at that time was when I was transitioning from living out of my car and moving back to Portland. And I started to, I, I was struggling to identify as a person that lives in a house again. And at that time when I was working on that play particularly, I just continuously felt more akin to houseless people than housed people. Um, mm-hmm. And that's still something that I, I try to understand in, in varying degrees. I've met other, uh, other people who make that choice. And uh, like straight up, I wish sometimes I just had the sheer guts because you could do it. And I, when, when, when I think about how often just the sheer like white noise of like city life uh, like grinds me down. I feel like it would be actually like really healthy. Yeah. You know, just to do that. I remember uh like I've been camping and you'll see people who like like the person who runs the campground and it's a position where, you know, uh that either there's like waiting lines for and you can see I could I'm like I could see doing that. Yeah. And just watching over the campground or whatever. But like what you're talking about, that's that's hardcore. Yeah, it's a know? bit different. I was out in the woods a lot by myself. I trained my eyes to walk in the night with starlight. That was great. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just so crazy. Like the whole like noise landscape is so different out in the woods, you know, and it's so soothing and peaceful. And whenever you're out there, it's like, why don't I do this all the time? It's also terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Being out in the woods by yourself and you don't know where anybody's around. I you know, just knowing that there's cougars out there that are probably watching you, <laughs> like all those different layers. Um, it's kind of astounding how uh, terrifying the night is before you go to bed. And, you know, maybe you have a hatchet underneath your pillow. <laughs> I always like, love that kind of stuff, though. It's like uh, when you're out walking the woods, especially if you can get by yourself, you know, and you become aware, like, A, like of how how much noise you make, you know, and how relatively, like, limited uh, like the, the the human sense map is, mm-hmm. you know, we can only see so far and we can only hear so much and we can only smell so much. And right on the outside of all that, there's all this life going on. Mm-hmm. And kind of like you were saying, like how much of that life that's happening is paying attention to you or is yeah. like watching you, you know? Yeah. It's quite either a, because you're lunch or you're dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. It's quite astounding. I mentioned walking with starlight and I was always dumbfounded or even like on a new moon where I could be walking in the woods and somehow the starlight pulls into the path and you can see where you're walking. Yeah. Awakening the senses being out there is like one of the best things. Yeah. Is uh, that what made you fall in love with this region? 
Yeah, even more so. Yeah, because I lived in Portland for about, like I said, six years, and I had only been in the Portland area. So I made it my like mission on the road to explore Oregon. Uh, I went to the Wallawa Mountains outside of Halfway, Oregon. That's one of my favorite places of Oregon now is that region, um, as well as just like the whole Great Basin of the desert. I've camped out in the Badlands outside of Bend a couple times for a couple nights by myself, and it's it's stunning. It really is stunning. Yeah. I mean, that's why I stay out here, because when you went to get to the woods, it's half an hour away. Yeah. Tops. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and our neighborhood is lined with trees. You know, it's 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 important for me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, so you were writing. Mm-hmm. And when did you become a playwright in particular? Oh, I, you know, I, I started writing. I was thinking of fiction. I was thinking of sci-fi. I was thinking of novels. And then those got too much into the detail. And I just found myself um, drawn to crafting images and ceremony, particularly the way um, my life has impacted me, how moments have been so rich and moved my like heart and soul into a new way of viewing the world. And so I found myself just like completely fascinated on taking the audience through that imagery and trying to impart something there. And uh, I guess it was once I moved back to Portland, uh, I started taking acting classes and Hmm. I landed a a spot at a defunct production uh, called Slipping. Um, Cool. uh, The name's dropping me right now. But yeah, it was was once I really stepped into the theater. That's when I was like, okay, this is the way to go now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a specific kind of imagination, you know, um, that, of course, I'm, you know, in an unhealthy relationship with <laughs> for all of my life. Yeah, um, but long term, yeah. complicated. Yeah, you know, um, but I love it. So I'm I'm really glad that you found it. Yeah, I'm excited to read some of your works because I don't know what you've worked on. Uh, I work on all kinds of stuff, but we're here to talk about you. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, laying that in there. You know, yeah, I'll, and I'll be sh- sure to share sometime. You know, um, so what brought you to Community Profile? Um, really honing in on writing. You know, like I said, I was exploring. My first concept was the houseless one. I also collaborated with my friend River, um, River Fagan, who I just met the other day. You did, yeah. They came to the Community Profile, and we collaborated on our first play, and the play completely centered around the sort of like wildness, otherly world in the woods, and queer belonging. And so, yeah, I mean, community is what's driven me over the last half a decade or more. That's, that was my whole impetus to go out into the world was to find community. And so finding myself and finding and identifying my queerness and just, oh my God, the richness of queer community is so important and crafting it and, and now stumbling into community profile and being surrounded by other visionaries is just yeah. inspirational yeah. all the time. And creatives as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what do you have to share with us today? Uh, let's see. I'll share something that I wrote in Community Profile a couple weeks ago, or like two months ago, it seems like. Yeah. Okay. If I could change one thing about myself, I'd change my face. Like to have the ability to change my nose, my eyebrows, my teeth, my jaw, my facial hair color and patterning. What if I want a unibrow? The way people react, attach, and project so much of our identity on how straight or not our teeth are, how long or short your nose hair is, freckles, eyes, cheekbones, 
I love my face even when it broke in four places and even though I lost a cheekbone peak and my eyelid scar can surprise me. I love the change even if it took a while for the swelling to go down. I love the scars more than the false perfection I thought I used to have that people told me I had. Even the doctor said, we need to operate within two weeks to make sure you have the face you used to have before the accident. Otherwise, the bones fuse. I couldn't believe she said that it that as if she knew my face before the accident. I'd want to change my face as easy as changing my underwear. Sometimes my upper lip stinks. Why does my brother get to have a unibrow? He doesn't even appreciate it. I want to see the way people see me when I become someone else. Because our faces would have you believe they reveal so much, but I think that belief is ridiculous. Who would love me then? A different face every week? If I change my face, would I fall in love with people who pass as invisible to me now? Give me a new face so that I can love you. Give me a new face so you can leave me and have a good reason to forget me. It's such a great piece. That is such a great piece. You read that. You, you wrote that in community profile. Yeah, yeah. Who was who was the mentor? Uh, I think it was Diana O. Diana O. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was terrific. Uh, so tell me about this piece. Um, when did you get your face bashed in? <laughs> My face got bashed in uh, 2016. I think it was. Yeah, oh, 2014. God, I don't know time these days. Wow. You're right. Sure. I I got into a bike wreck on 32nd and Ouch. Salmon. Yeah, I pulled out. It was my fault, and I flew onto the hood of a moving car. So I broke my face in four places. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm lucky to have my eye. That's the thing. Yeah. So yeah, I've actually done some of that action where I got my face bashed in. <laughs> You know that's a that's a tough road to hoe, right there. Um, but I love the thought afterwards about about the doctor about the doctor saying this thing, and you're like, you don't even know what I look like before. What are you talking about? You know? But I know one thing I wanted to ask you about when I first read it was uh, the unibrow thing. Uh huh. So your brother has a unibrow, doesn't like it. He tw- he t- he picks it. It doesn't exist anymore. It's like non-existent for himself. <laughs> But you wish you had a unibrow. I wish I had a unibrow. Yeah. (laughs) I would rock it. (laughs) I think I read someplace that they used to think you were a werewolf. Oh. If if you had a unibrow. Yeah. I actually have a wolf patch on one shoulder. So. Nice. I feel that. (laughs) Nice. Well, that's that's a great piece. Uh, This next piece is a super short one, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's actually from Diana as well. We had to do this one. Okay, good. (laughs) Kind of goes right in suit with the end of that one. To every lover who ever forgot me, fuck you. I forgive you, and I really, really, really hope you're happy. I mean it, for fuck's sake. You probably still don't believe me, but I don't care. I'm happy, too. Love, brave. Uh... So is that come from a place that you can talk about or is it too close to home? <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty close to home. I'd say, um, yeah, maybe we don't need to. I think it says everything. In, I think it says everything it needs to say, <laughs> but it was a funny one when I, read, I was like, wow, <laughs> let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with brave Zamagogo. I'm Josie Seed one of the mentors in Profile Theater's community profile by and for black women. Do you want to cultivate your own creative voice and use writing as a springboard for conversation and fellowship? 
check out Community Profile, an affinity space exclusively for Black women that offers community building through monthly writing workshops with award-winning writers and exceptional teachers. There is something undeniably powerful about exploring one's own creative voice in a dedicated affinity space just for us, by us. Due to COVID-19, we aren't meeting in person at this time, but we are meeting online and have found it to be a rich experience for participants. The program is 100% free and 0% pressure. You'll meet people like you of all ages and backgrounds who are also there to work on their craft, share their stories, listen to yours, and together find a little bit of wisdom, support, and love. For more information, go to our website, profiletheater.org, and click on the Community Profile tab and see why one recent participant called this program a life changer. And we are back with Brave Zamagogo, Voices from the Real World. All right. All right. Okay. So we want to talk too much about that one. Diana O was obviously impactful, though. She was. Yeah. Uh, she was wonderful. That was the most writing we had done in my, in my memory. And is that right? Yeah. And it was in that session where I realized everything I write is useful. Everything right. I write. It's, yeah. Right. I remember uh, seeing like some... It was Billy Joel, and he was like talking to music students, and he was talking about how uh, keep everything you write because you never know when this thing that you wrote that you didn't use in this song is going to be a bridge in this song or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I have the concepts for multiple plays in my head, little chunks and pieces, but they keep floating around. I'm not happy with them alone, but they're kind of molding, and yeah, it's important to come back to it. Fantastic. So what's your next one? Oh, um, oh, this one I just wrote as a prompt, kind of following Diana O to encourage myself to like just have a deadline. So I gave myself a prompt and I wrote it out and it was done. Yeah. I got to work before I actually woke up. How am I supposed to eat when I have literally trained myself for nearly 10 years to sleepwalk and not only sleepwalk to work, but sleep dress myself, sleep brush my teeth and sleep lock the door on the way out. At first, I had to put my shoes on the night before. The booties of the bunny suit really don't do socks or rubber-soled shoes justice. 4 a.m., wake up. Sleep, wake up. 5 a.m., the bus full of sleeping passengers empties. End of the line. Sleep, walk, and sleep, clock in. It's not until I hear the chug-a-bug-bug of the factory furnace that I actually wake up. Then the tummy grumbles. My eyes are dry. The lids peel back. I can hear them shear over my eye whites. The eyelashes flutter in the artificial breeze, and I stand there watching copper boil. Come to a boil. Getting paid to watch copper boil. What a way to wake up. The metallic skin of the liquid coin shimmers with a shaking solar ray light. You look long enough and it reminds you of bacon. Bacon frying on the black skillet your grandma's father made and brought home from the steel mills in the last century. The dancing, bubbling oil on the surface of the crackling bacon. The boiling copper. 6 a.m. When's breakfast? Grandma'd say, when you can't eat, better to sleep. You, she never was a sleep talker. Sleepwalker, sleep rider or dyer like me. 
Great piece. Great piece. I loved it. Um, do you work at this place? No, not at all. It was it was one of those trailing thoughts and finding visions and just like, whoa. Uh, and you know what? And that goes to show you, if you write with commitment, you know, nobody's even going to know. No. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, there's some elements there that, of course, are, are part of my own. My my grandmother has a kumal that, that her father made in the steel mill. So, like, there was some images and, you know, I mean, yeah, food and family. That's, like, huge parts of my work. Huh. Yeah. yeah I, was, cause I, was, I was thinking maybe you were because, like, you know, over the course of my life, you know, I've been an actor. So, I've, you know, uh, loaded boats, un, uh, you know, unloaded boats, truck. I've done all these different jobs. Yeah. So I was wondering, like, if you – and I have, I've had jobs where I'm getting up at 4 in the morning and whatnot. So yeah. So I was wondering if you tasted some of that action. <laughs> I, I have, yeah. I work in a bakery often, so – Oh, is yeah. that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, any place I would know? Uh, Loretta Jean's. The, the pie the shop. and pie place. Yeah, it's a pie shop. Yeah. Right. Luckily uh, – Down on 6th? Uh, they used to be downtown, um, but their main shop is on Division. And uh, luckily, I've never had to do the baker shift, but I've woken up with them early enough. So, <laughs> right. Well, that's a fantastic piece, really rich in imagery, and uh, and I love you know like the connections it makes, yeah, which are really like unusual, <laughs> you know, and, and you don't necessarily expect it, but they all make sense in the piece. Yeah, it's kind of that like uh, leaning into the awkward or the weird. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, mm-hmm. this the next the next piece yeah. is the one I have been waiting for. Really? Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm glad. This is a very old piece. This is actually when I was no, out no. living I, in the I, woods. I love, I love this character, uh, the, the the woman who you're gonna read about in just yeah. a second. Yeah. All right, here we go. I was having all my tires replaced. The place was cool, and there was plenty to distract and interact with, I suppose. Folk mostly surrounded the waiting area, watching what was on the HDTV. I was perusing the usuals online, splitting my focus between phone and device, watching this and seeing that, when I noticed a wonderfully engaging presence near the front desk. This person was facing away from me and talking adamantly with a couple clerks. Tracking. Noted. Back to browsing the usuals. Occasionally I glanced up to see what else had changed, where the cute mechanics had gone, who's smiling and who's looking around, and of course that engaging presence. She was an older, tough, stout, wispy, red-haired woman. Her hair pulled up, peeking out of a black emblematic handkerchief tied up, covering most of her forehead, gave her wandering gaze an immediately recognizable surety, though her manner was more murky than sure. She walked closer, and we knocked gaze for a moment. Slight smile. I look down. I look up. She is in front of the table a pace away and reading my shirt. With my wisdom? She asks. With my witches, I say. Mostly, she spoke of how much she loved the shop, her children, her circle of protection, her circle of God. Within it, she said, he'd have been safe from prison and safe from danger. Her daughter was call, has called her a witch since she was a girl, and it hasn't changed. But I told her, witches can't have red hair. They have black hair. And you can't be a witch. You're a warlock. Grins and knowing looks. I held her gaze and gave her space to share more of her story. Her son was in prison. 
he molested his daughter-in-law and she burst out with, he didn't tell me. I could have given him it all to make it good so he didn't get caught. Oh, said I. He could have told her when she turns 18. He could have divorced her mother and married her. I found it hard to think lowly of her son or her. This was larger than I knew. She was a powerhouse of presence. She smiled each time I suggested her magnetism and brushed it off as unreal as phony. She hated the porno industry and blamed it for her son's mistakes. She would rather they shoot up the porno theaters than the Hollywood ones. Then she lays it in good, all the while slapping her palm onto the seat next to her firmly with each point to be made. And you see, my granddaughter says, I'll live forever. She says I'm a witch too. I say, may you live a long life. She smiles. She's right too, you see. Before they'd kill me, I'd take care of them all. I'd shoot the Muslims, the gays. She stops, counting out the moral enemies upon her right hand, and looks intently at me like a gentle crone. You're not a gay, are you? Some moment must have passed my eyes when she began counting out those precious few. I am. Her ringed fist, three rings total, mostly stones of turquoise, red, blue, and orange, tapped my thigh firmly. No, you are not. Yes, I am. And another fist, this time on my right arm. No, don't kid with me. Another three taps, knee, shoulder, and thigh, each firmer and her body moving closer, entering my circle. God made woman for you. And I love them too. That was the balm to her sudden disbelief and horror. She took it as an absolute as though admitting I love women disregarded the fact I love men also. I didn't have a chance to take her further down this road she was trampling down. The clerks and attendants had taken notice. A young clerk had caught my eye and gave me a surprising widened eye, oh boy, look. Sympathetic, yes, but misplaced. How others may have held the crone's gaze and returned presence was not how I was called to, though. I am grateful for the clerk's sympathy. Because while this older woman was punching me in disbelief, the young fellow working on my tires came running in and insisted, thanks to the onlooking clerk's suggestion, <laughs> I come to see something on the car. His name was Cody, though his shirt said Theo. Cody and the others pulled me away from the moment I was being beaten by the firm hands of an older woman for being queer. What could, I've, what could I have said to her? I know that I am praying for her in my own way. She led a witch into her circle of God. How could I not? All right, so questions about this piece. Yes. <laughs> Did this really happen? Yes. Yeah, this is a yeah, really strong experience for me. I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. Uh, but you seem to um, have a real uh, equanimity mm -hmm. about the situation. Yeah. Um, is that something that you feel like you walk around with in general? Was it something special that happened in this specific moment? I think... I think a lot of that. I think I do walk around with a fair amount of equanimity. 
and also I think I'm very fortunate that it was an old crone. There's something there for me that like immediately demands some sense of respect, regardless of her worldview. So I, I mean, I, I'm terrified to even think what it could have been like if it was someone else. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, do you think, cause the part that, uh, among so many things that struck me about the piece, uh, was, uh, your lack of judgment, mm-hmm. you know, towards her and also like lack of anger. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was just really, was, I thought it was just really impressive, you know, um, and hard to do for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, um, and like when you talk about respect for her for years, I like, yeah, because sometimes you respect just the road that people have been down. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times if, they, if you see an ugly side of them, there's something that made them that way. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, just a really like um, strong scene, I thought, you know, and and she was just, you know, she, she was something else. Why? Why do you think? Well, I, I, I feel like I kind of know the reason, but but like, what do you what do you think she needed by trying to like deny your queerness? Like, I feel like she must have. I you know I mean I could just like throw a wild card and be like maybe I reminded her of her son. I I don't know. I mean, there's something there again that that age that youthful male presence like. A sort of like it's interesting because like maybe she needed me to confirm her worldview, but I was also kind of needing her to confirm mine. She was talking about how she wasn't a witch, and I was like, "Girl, you don't even see what you're doing in this space. Like you're taking over the room with your energy." So it was, it was kind of like uh, that happening for both of us. I sure. imagine. <laughs> sure, that's great. Okay, so uh, brave. Yeah. Um, on, I'm sure all your fans out there are disappointed that you came here and read from a lot of really great stuff, but not not from any of your plays. Yeah. Um, but you think some of this stuff might find its way into a play? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, some of this stuff just kind of comes out and it feels like a monologue. It feels monologue worthy. Um, when I craft the the concepts I'm working on, they're very kind of vignettes. And so I think there's a lot of promise from much of this to make it into the work. And actually uncovering this older piece, the last piece I wrote, uh, read, it was, the, it was one of the earliest writings. This is like over four years ago. This is like when I started writing. And revisiting it is kind of helping me remember how important it is to tell my story. Sure. Because there are so many moments, like this one, that should feed into the work. Um, and yeah, I mean... I mentioned the houseless one. I, I have other write-ups of moments around that too. And this one feels really centered around like the identity pieces that I will be writing. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Brave, brave. So hacking, you yeah. have been terrific <laughs> and your writing is gorgeous. And I look forward to seeing what you do then. I, and I hope you'll let me know. Thank you so much. You know, when you, uh, Put the, put together some play and you know produce it out oh, there. Oh, it's gonna happen! I'm living my dream. I feel driven. Right, right. Yeah. You, you feel it coming. I do. All right. <laughs> That's right. Great. Thank well, you. Well, uh, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your work and thanks for coming today onto Community Profile. Thank you so much. All right, folks. That was brave so hacky, and this has been Voices from the Real World. Real people telling their real stories. One love and peace out.
that is it for this edition of Voices from the Real World. Voices from the Real World was put together by the creative team of Jamie M. Ray, Lion Producer, Robert A. K. Gagno, Sound Engineer, Rodolfo Ortega, Composer, and was recorded at the Willamette Radio Workshop in Portland, Oregon, which exists on the traditional lands of Multnomah, Kaflamet, Clackamas, Tumwater, and Malala bands of the Chinook peoples, the Tualatin band of the Kalapuya peoples, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. We acknowledge and honor the ancestors and survivors of this place and recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them and we honor their descendants who live on. And I am Bobby Bermea and this is Community Profile, voices from the real world, real people telling their real stories. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Community Profile or Profile Theater, go to profiletheater.org slash communityprofile. To hear more podcasts, go to profiletheater.org slash on air, where you'll find other episodes of Voices from the Real World. If you have feedback or suggestions for me, I'm taking all comers. Write me at bobbyb at profiletheater.org. One love and peace out. <laughs>